Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to Smarty Pants, the podcast of the American Scholar magazine, sponsored by Phi Beta Kappa. I'm your host, Stephanie Bastek. While things are still unsettled in the world, we are going to be turning to some of our favorite episodes from the past four years, which I hope you'll enjoy. One of the glories of hosting the podcast is that I can ring up just about anyone interesting and see if they're willing to talk to me. So a few years ago, I happened to see that Vitold Rubshinsky, one of the American Scholar's frequent contributors, happened to be coming to town for, of all things, a chair symposium. As an admirer of his work and a daily user of chairs, I was intrigued. So one day in the fall of 2016, I schlepped down to the museum, hoping to find a wonderful collection of antique American chairs for Vitold to walk me through. Little did I know that the Smithsonian displays exactly two of the chairs in its collection. But to my great relief, the museum designers had extremely good taste because hidden in the galleries are two great examples of 20th century chair design. And who better to describe them than Vitold Rubshinsky, author of Now I Sit Me Down, A History of the Chair. Our first subjects were arranged in the giant atrium where many museum visitors were unwittingly taking a break in one of the greatest chair designs of the 20th century. Uh, these are called the Series 7 chairs, and they were designed by a Danish architect in 1952. His name was Arne Jakobsen, and they're actually a historic chair because they're made out of thin layers of wood glued together, sort of like plywood. They're only about three-eighths of an inch thick, uh, but the back and the seat of the chair is all one piece. And people have been trying to do this for a long time, and it's very hard to bend wood at a right angle and have it strong enough so if you lean on it, it doesn't break. And Jakobsen figured out to put a layer of cloth inside this plywood, which reinforces it, makes it strong enough. And, I mean, 1952 is about more than 60 years ago, and these chairs are still in production, still very popular. And I don't think people sitting here think they're sitting in an antique, but they almost are. And where this idea started was uh, Jakobsen was designing a factory, and he had a cafeteria, and he wanted a modern cafeteria chair. And in 1952, there weren't many, and that's how he designed this chair. It was, a, it was called the ant chair because it had three legs, uh, it has it has these very skinny legs that make it look a bit like an insect, and then a body, which is the seat in the back, 
and that was the very first version. Three legs is not quite stable enough, so I think he developed a slightly more bigger chair with four legs, which is the one that's really survived. And you said earlier when we were talking that this chair's design has been perpetuated now across the globe and copied. Is that usual for iconic chairs like this? Actually, the history of chairs is people copying things because when somebody produces a chair, somebody then takes it and changes something, adds to it, and all chairs are copies of previous chairs. So it's not, it's not a, a bad thing. It's the way that chairs evolve. If you look at Windsor chairs, for instance, which developed at the end of the 17th century, uh, there's thousands of types because everybody who builds one built it slightly differently. They made the legs thinner or made it more elegant. Copying is how the chairs really develop from, from one maker to the next. And how has the Series 7 chair changed? It started with three legs and now it has four. Is it still made with cloth in the middle and pieces of plywood? Yes, it's, it's still made the same way. The, the only difference is now you can get it upholstered, you can get it in colors. The ones here are oak, but they come in black, different types of wood, maple, beech, I think. Uh, it comes as a secretarial chair. It comes with arms if you're like a waiting room chair. So there are very many variations, which is also part of furniture because when you make one chair, you've got, you're set up to make this chair, so you want to make versions of it that will attract a wider clientele. Do you have any of these chairs in your home? I actually, we do have one because uh, my wife has a computer in the kitchen that she spends a lot of time in. It's near the window. You can look at it in the garden. And we have a secretarial type of these chairs that she uses. And I have to ask this too. How many chairs do you have in your house? Uh, I forget. In, in the house right now, probably in 30, 40 chairs if I count them all up. Uh, so it, it, it's amazing. I was surprised how many there were outdoor chairs, there's those iron chairs in the garden, there's an Adirondack chair, a couple of deck chairs, and there's, there's maybe six or seven stools for emergencies. Do the stools count as chairs? Yes, a stool is, is part of the family of chairs. In fact, the first chair was called a back stool because some, the stool is an easier thing to make and think of than a chair, so the first seating were stools and somebody thought to put a back on it just to put a board into a, a stool just so you could lean back and they called it a back stool and that was really the beginning of the chair. Shall we make our way upstairs to see the other icon in the museum, the Barcelona chair? Sure, let's go. And now we're sitting on top of Another example of old design, though not quite so old. Can you tell us about the chairs that we're in? Yes, this is called the Barcelona chair. It was designed by a German architect, uh, Mies van der Rohe, in 1929 for the Barcelona exhibition. He had designed a pavilion, which was the German pavilion for this international exposition, and it was going to be opened by the King and Queen of Spain. Two of these chairs were in the pavilion and they were like little thrones. So when the king and queen came to open the pavilion, they would sit in these during this sort of ceremony. 
And subsequently, it became known as the Barcelona chair because of the exposition, but it also became something that was manufactured for domestic use. Uh, I don't think it's actually a very comfortable chair. And my theory is that it was really designed as a throne. It's a very low armchair, which has no arms. It's a low easy chair, I should say, that has no arms which makes it hard to get in and out of because you've got to cut. So you sort of drop into it, which isn't very pleasant. Um, but it, it has a beautiful appearance. It's a really beautiful chair, these curved legs. And it's, it, it looks like a throne. It's very wide, very generous. Uh, and I think he really did not think of it as a domestic chair. He thought of it for his pavilion. And then afterwards, manufacturers made it. and and it became very popular. It's also not the most comfortable chair because the back curves. Your spine is a sort of S-shape and this back is concave. So when you lean back, you really are in a very uncomfortable position. Your body is kind of caving in. In fact, old thrones like the one in uh, Westminster Abbey, they're very vertical backs and hard seats. Maybe there was a cushion put on it. Uh, but they're not obviously not creative for comfort, but they're very impressive. And in some ways, this chair is also its a very beautiful, impressive chair. Uh, you can see tufted leather, very generous proportions. But there were also at least half a dozen stools of the same design but without a back, just a stool, and those were for the other dignitaries, the, the sort of lesser dignitaries. And so you got this very traditional hierarchy of the, the throne and then the sort of the, the stool, which is actually in the Middle Ages there were stools and thrones in a very similar way. Do you think that hierarchy has continued? Do you think we look down on stools but think chairs are or superior? Oh, yes. I think there's still a sense that a stool is something, it's always very simple. If you go camping, you can sit on a stool. And uh, the same thing with a bench. A bench doesn't have a back, so it's a little less comfortable. It's, sort of, it's much simpler, but co less comfortable. So it's something that you, you have sort of for fast seating somewhere. Again, it's very easy to make. It's just too two legs and a board, basically. So, so that high, yes, that hierarchy still remains. And in some, some dining room sets, for instance, you'll have uh, armchairs at the head of the table and then chairs without arms, side chairs for everybody else. And that's a kind of leftover of that hierarchy. Um, but I think Mies has designed some much better chairs. It's not that he didn't know how to do it. He knew that Arms would make this look like a house chair put in a pavilion, which is not what you want the king and queen of Spain to sit in. So this is a modern chair, but it has this almost Greek feeling with these curved legs. Uh, and I think arms would have been fussy, and that's why he got rid of them. It's funny that you say Greek, because the ones we're sitting in have these gorgeous metallic stainless steel legs, and it looks almost futuristic. Well, the Greek Klismos chair, which is not a low chair like this, is a, it's a higher chair with a back, but it has curved legs that actually come down to points and curve in a very similar way. So, And Mies would obviously have been aware of that chair, and that gives this chair a very classic appearance, that curve. It also happens to be very difficult to manufacture. So 
people look at this chair and they think it's an industrial chair because it's made out of chrome metal and it looks sort of factory made. It doesn't, but it's actually a handcrafted chair. An awful lot of handwork goes into making that spot where the legs cross. Uh, it's, it all has to be done by hand. It's a, it's a crafted piece of furniture. Never would have guessed it just wandering through this gallery. Um, so of Mises' chairs, which one would you say is his best chair? You said this was not it, so what would be? Well, of, of these two chairs, the Series 7 is a much better chair because it's both attractive and interesting to look at. It's, a, it's like a little sculpture, but it's also pleasant to sit in. A chair delivers both, which is why chairs are like art, but they're not exactly art. But because they're useful, they're in some ways richer than art, because art is attractive, painting, but it has no functional purpose, no practical purpose. A chair gives you both, which makes it very special, I think, and that's why people have favorite chairs, and uh, they talk about my chair. I mean, we, we get relations with chairs, which we don't actually get with other pieces of furniture, like tables and desks. Maybe it has to do with the proximity, the touching of the chair, you're in it. Yes, I mean, you're, it, it, first of all, it supports you when you're tired, so it's kind of really doing an important piece of work for you. It's not just a frill, and it embraces you, yes. You touch it, you, if you have arms, you, 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 you rest your, your arms on its arms, you touch the back, so, so yes, it is, it's a very physical kind of relationship. It's like having an old friend or a therapist in a way. Very much so. That's why chairs, I think, there are a lot of chairs that play this kind of symbolic role, like Archie Bunker's chair, you know, all in the family. When he wasn't in the house, the chair was there. It was almost like he was there. And people kind of related to this chair as if it was, because it was his chair. People weren't allowed to sit in it and, and so on. Are people allowed to sit in your favorite chair? Yes, it's in my study, so that, so not a lot of people. But my wife sits in it. No, I don't think it's not that kind of. But I, I guess in a large family, that's where I think the father's chair or the mother's chair might assume a kind of special importance. Well, thank you so much for talking with us, told. Thank you. It was a pleasure. That's all for Smarty Pants. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode for December. Till then... Take care and stay sharp. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.